Uh, welcome again. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, we want to simply help you know God, find family, and make a difference. That's what we're all about. So, again, we're glad that you're here. Um, some exciting things are coming up very, very, very soon for Pathway. And so I just, uh, you need to be here for at least the next two weeks. Um, you want to be here after that too, but the next two weeks are going to be really, really great. Um, and we're really excited about that. That's all I want to tell you for now. Just don't miss the next two weeks. Have some really big, life-changing things in the history of our church, all right? And that's all I want to say. So uh, we're excited about that. And uh, man, I, I love, hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great New Year's. Uh, if not, hopefully you start the day, you're starting the day right, and uh, it'll go well. Everybody likes new things. I mean, just everybody likes new things. And uh, like like a new year, new week, new day, new month, it's all right now. And uh, uh, I love new things. When my wife and I uh, were married. That was new, right? We, it's a new marriage, new relationship, and we graduated college, and uh, we were uh, starting off in ministry to be student pastors, and uh, we were going to a new place. We got married, had our honeymoon, came back. The truck was loaded up with all of our belongings, which weren't much at that time because we were newlyweds, and uh, we went off to a new place, to a new town, to a new church for us to be student pastors. It was new for them as well. They never had a student pastor before. And so it was new for everybody. And um, I'll never forget, as long as I live, I've been um, in, in ministry now as a pastor for uh, 16 years. And the first lesson I learned was at my first, first place we were at. Um, and after about uh, two weeks that we were there, I had uh, before that, I had everybody in my life that I was close to telling me, man, you need to take this uh, position and at this church. You have no experience. You have nothing on your resume other than your college degree, which really, you know, isn't much. And so you need to take this. And so I didn't really think about it. I didn't really pray about it. I was like, well, yeah, I got to support my wife now. And this is the only opportunity that I have. I can't get married and live at my parents' house. I got to do something different. And so this is the opportunity that came along. So I jumped on it. I said, yeah, I'd love to tell you that I prayed about it, but I didn't. It just, man, everything works out. The money works out. The, the, the location works out. Everything just works out. Didn't pray about it. Literally, we got there, and uh, our marriage is three weeks old now. We had one week for the honeymoon. We've been there two weeks. I was miserable. Not in my marriage. My marriage was great. I was miserable in the place where we were. It wasn't the town. It wasn't the people. It wasn't the church. They were all great. But I was not where God wanted us to be, and I knew it from the beginning. And I begged God every single day day. Uh, we would go for walks, me and my wife, um, and every day I would just gripe and complain about how much I didn't like it and all this stuff. And I would beg God, not pray, not beg God, God, get me out of here, get me out of here. I, I learned the lesson. I made a mistake. I didn't pray about it. I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. I will never make this mistake again. And I had to be there for a full year before God got us out of it. And I was trying. I was sending out resumes to other places. Nothing. I think God was really teaching me that lesson. The first lesson I learned was, you know, I'll be with you and I'll protect you as long as you're seeking me first and doing what I have for your life, not just jumping ahead, doing what looks good on paper. And so after that, I've learned, man, we've, we've made some decisions um, like selling everything we have, moving halfway across the United States to start a church from scratch at a location where we didn't know anyone, had no money, no resources, no denomination, no nothing. We've made some decisions that on paper make no sense. We did them because we prayed 
first. And on the other hand, you can make decisions that look good on paper, but if you don't pray first, it's going to be a train wreck in your life. And so what we have done for the past really seven years of my life, every January, um, I spend 21 days in prayer and fasting. And so before we even knew Pathway was going to be a church, we, my wife and I were lead pastors at a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, although both of us, she's from Arkansas, I'm from Oklahoma, although not here. Um, and, but we had been there five years, thought it was great, thought we'd be there forever. And uh, long story short, after six months of God really dealing with our heart, we knew it was time that God was leading us to move on to come plant a church. And and during that time in January, I started fasting. I ended up fasting 40 days, liquids only. I'm not saying that to brag. That wasn't a plan. I was just really going to fast one day. It turned into three days, turned into a week, turned into 21 days, turned into 40 days. And it was on day 38 that I'll never forget. I, I clearly know that I know I heard from God saying he wanted me to plant a church right here in Yukon. We had no connections to Yukon. We didn't know anybody. We had zero connections. We, we knew Garth Brooks was from here because it's on the water tower, but beyond that, zero connections. And so we packed up everything. Our family sold everything. We had cashed out our retirement, everything, and poured all of it right here into Pathway. And so before I even knew it was going to be called Pathway Church, before I knew we were going to be at the high school and then the movie theater, we started the foundation of this church on 40 days and six months of prayer and fasting. And then the year before our church actually started, like we had moved here, we were getting everything ready, all the behind-the-scenes stuff and 501c3 and all the behind-the-scenes you know, graphics and the name and all that stuff. As we're doing that, January that year, before I even, we even knew staff. We didn't have any staff. I didn't know anybody. I spent 21 days in prayer and fasting. Our first year as a formal church, 21 days in January, prayer and fasting. And so we're five years old now. And so this is the fifth year every January of prayer and fasting for 21 days. We are a church built not on kids' ministry, which is super important, not on a student ministry, which is really important, not on buildings because we don't have one yet, uh, not on anything else. We are built on one thing and one thing only, prayer and fasting, because that is what changes things. And so we do it every January, and then really we do it again about six months later in August. August we do 21 days of prayer, and, um, and then this year, this last year we did 21 days of prayer and fasting as well back in August. A lot of you did that. And you say, well, why would you do it in January? Well, here's just the, the reality. I think this is really logical to me. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen on May 13th of this year, nor do I. It could be the greatest year of your life. It could be the worst year of your life. You could get a raise and a promotion, and you could lose your job this year. You could be the healthiest you've ever been, and you could have health complications that you can't even dream right now. You could have new relationships in your life that are life-giving and building you up. And you could have relationships that rip your heart out and stab you in the back. Happy New Year. All right? <laughs> Welcome to church. January 1. You don't know. But God does. And so you don't know what's going to happen on May 12th. You don't know what's going to happen on October 23rd, but God does. And so why do we do this in January? We are praying and fasting. What we're really doing is dedicating the year to God. We're giving it to God. Just like sometimes when we give our finances to say, God, I don't own the money. You do. And I want to honor you in that. God, I don't own this year of 2023. I, I, I don't own time. God, you do. And so, God, I pray right now at the beginning of 
of the year, the first thing I do is, God, I dedicate the year to you, and God, I give it to you. God, would you go before me and give me your wisdom and your favor and your blessing and protection that I would honor you all 365 days of this year? That's why we do prayer and fasting in January. And then just in case we start to slack off a little bit, we pick it back up in August, all right? So uh, we do it every, about every six months. We're a church of prayer and fasting, unashamedly so. So that's, that's what we're so excited about. And uh, just, you know, if, if the Bible actually talks quite a bit about prayer and fasting and New and Old Testament, the Bible has New and Old Testament, and talks a lot about prayer and fasting, so we could look at a lot of different places some of you right now might be like, well, I, I kind of know what prayer is, but this fasting is, you know, I only know fasting as like a diet, you know, and, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But I want to look at, uh, if we were to really ask Jesus, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? What are your directions or instructions or guidance when it comes to prayer and fasting? There's a, several times that he talks about it. Jesus himself spent many, many times praying all night or fasting many times. And so I just want to look at a really, I think, one of the more popular parts of this, and it's the second book of the New Testament. So the Bible has a New and Old Testament. The second book of the New Testament is called Mark. Mark, because he is the guy that wrote it. And this is what happens. We really don't have to give a lot of background because it's pretty self-explanatory. So check this out. In Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men of the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how much long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can't, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes the boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and then left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Look at verse 28. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. And many translations say prayer and fasting. 
So, I mean, really, as we often say, anytime we study the Bible, whether we look at one sentence or verse or we look at a whole chapter or a whole section, kind of like what we did here, we always want to take a step back and ask ourselves, what's really going on here? What's kind of the main thought, the main idea? And to me, it would simply be this, that, that, that uh, it's power, not our ability that matters. That it's in the real power, the power of prayer, the power of fasting, not my ability that matters. In fact, I think what's interesting is that the disciples in verse 14, Jesus comes back to them and there's an argument happening. And, and they're arguing, the disciples are arguing with other people in the crowd, with the religious leaders. And the first thing Jesus says, what's all the arguing about? I just wonder if, if Jesus was to look into some of our hearts, and we might not be doing it out loud, but, but we spend more time arguing about what to do this year than we do praying and seeking God's direction for this year. In fact, Jesus said uh, in Matthew, in the first book of the New Testament, he said that we should seek him first, and if we do that, then he would add everything else to us. So I just wonder, sometimes are we like the disciples that we are so focused on arguing about, well, we should do this. No, I should do that. No, I should do that. Hey, look, no wonder you're stressed out. No wonder 2022 didn't plan out like you hoped it would because you are losing sleep. You're stressed out. You're frustrated. You're tired because you've been arguing about what to do instead of seeking God through prayer and asking him what he wants you to do. I can say that because I've been there. I mean, that, that was, like I said, 16 years ago, I was in that place for a full year, miserable every day. Because I was arguing, I could do this, I could do this, instead of seeking God first. That's where the disciples are at. You can ask everybody else, you can debate, or you can pray. I love verse 28 and 29, because then the disciples, it's, it's after the afternoon, it's, it's towards the evening, probably the sun has set, they're back at, at their house, and you know, it's a big, they're all kind of hanging out, eating food, and uh, enjoying the fire, and, and they, uh, you know, the, the, obviously the disciples are really bothered by that, they're really frustrated, and they ask Jesus, as, as you and I would ask him, hey, why did you do it, and I couldn't, I mean, I don't understand, that. I know you're Jesus and everything, but I mean, why couldn't I do it? And I love Jesus' answer because it's as clear as it could be. And it's the same answer for you and I in our situation today. This will only happen through prayer and fasting. That you will face the same situation in 2023 that you faced in 2022. But the only thing that will make it change is prayer and fasting. Jesus is giving you the answer. It's not complicated. It's not come to church all the time, although it's important. It's not even memorize and read the Bible every day, although that's important. It is seek me first through prayer and fasting. Your real power is not in your ability to change it. It's not in your education. It's not in your finances. It's not in your connections. It's not in your skill level. All that's good. But real power is in prayer and seeking God, not our ability. And that's where the disciples are. And that's where maybe me and you have been in situations in our life. The disciples fail because they're focusing on their ability rather than God's power through prayer. I mean, I can look in a few times in my life, maybe more than a few, where I failed. I told you the first one. I failed because I was seeking my ability. I was seeking other people's advice. 
and I failed because I was trying to do it in my ability. What made sense to me? Asking the opinion of other, even godly people that I respect. But I've learned the lesson. I'd love to say I've never repeated it again, but for the most part, I haven't. To seek him first because real power is in prayer. And once I feel like I've heard from God and his direction in my life, then I'll ask godly people who I respect. And if it lines up, then I know that I've heard from God and I move forward. That's what God is trying to, Jesus is trying to get the disciples to do. You know, it, I have very, very few pet peeves. And I said one a few weeks ago, I don't like pessimistic people. I don't. I'm like the most optimistic person you'll ever meet. And I really am. Another pet peeve that I have, I have very few. But another one that I have is when I hear, quote, unquote, Christians, and they'll say really unbiblical things, uh, you know, not necessarily heresy, but they'll say things like, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll all work out. I just, like, no. It just crawls my, makes my skin crawl. Or, uh, well, if it's God's will, it'll work out. No, that's not true. That's not in the Bible. I'd love, if it's true, show it to me because it's not in there. I've looked. In fact, think about this. Uh, one of the most famous uh, sentences in the whole Bible is, is a sentence that says this in, in John 3.16. says that God loves the world or people so much that he doesn't want anyone to die and spend eternity apart from him. But yet we know, even though that's what God wants... There are people around us all the time who are very unfortunately dying and spending eternity apart from God. Well, now, wait a minute. God doesn't want that to happen, but yet it does. So, so it tells me that there are things that will only happen in your life and in my life if we pray. There are things, I promise you this, like at Christmas time, when my kids were opening up new toys, I, the dad and me, I want to jump in and just put the toys together and unwrap it from the, you know, child-proof, theft-proof Fort Knox things that they've got all tied to the box so you can't steal it. I want to jump in and help them unwrap it and put it all together so they can go play. I love to do that. But my kids are getting old enough now to where they just don't assume I'm going to do it. They try to do it themselves. And then they get frustrated, and they get mad, and they get angry at their brand new toy on Christmas Day, and they ruin it for everybody. Now, that's another message. But they get frustrated. The dad in me says, I'll fix it, but I want you to ask me. Because if I jump in and try to fix it without you asking, you're just going to get mad at me. Could it be that you're just frustrated at the thing that God is wanting to do in your life because you're trying to make it happen on your own and you're trying to fix it on your ability when your Father in Heaven is saying, I want to jump in and help you, but if I do it, you're going to get more mad at me. Your frustration is not at God. Could it be at yourself because you're relying on your ability rather than His through prayer? And that's the reality. So, so to be honest, there are things that will only happen in your life, I promise you this, if you pray. Well, it'll all work out. Not if you don't pray, it won't. I mean, you're just like, good luck is what I say. Well, you know, I mean, I just trust in God's all-knowing and is all-powerful. Yes, but he is your father, and he wants you to ask him for guidance and wisdom and favor and protection and help. So listen, you know, just don't get around me and say that to me. Like, don't, well, it'll all work out. No, like, uh, no. Pray, seek God with all your heart, with all your mind, with everything that you have. Seek him first in prayer. Then you'll be amazed at what he can do. Don't just assume it'll all work out. If it's meant to be, no, no. It'll happen if you pray about it. But I guarantee you, it will never happen if you don't pray about it.
That's not in the Bible. That's not how God works. Listen, prayer is acknowledging that you can't do it on your own. If you don't know, I mean, prayer is just simply this. It's an ongoing conversation between you and God throughout your day. Prayer doesn't need to be complicated. In fact, Jesus, like example prayer, the disciples said, could you give us kind of a template or a model prayer? Not that we need to say it word for word, but just kind of an outline. You realize the outline prayer that Jesus gave for us is only 52 words long? In fact, when Jesus casts out this demon, it's not a three-hour thing. It's just one sentence. Uh, you know, he rebukes the evil spirit, get out of the boy, and it leaves. Done. There are times where, yes, Jesus prays all night and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. Absolutely. But there's also times where prayer is just a simple, ongoing conversation between you and God throughout your day. Prayer is not a box to be checked of a morning. Well, I read my Bible. I prayed. I'm good. No, you're not. No. Like, as I always say, we talk about prayer. If you only talk to your spouse or significant other for, you know, five or ten minutes or even 30 minutes a, a, a morning, and they didn't talk to them the rest of the day, you would not have a good relationship. But you talk to them throughout the day. Is it always on the phone? No, sometimes it's text. Sometimes it is on the phone. Sometimes it's face-to-face. But you have an ongoing conversation. That's what prayer is with your father. Don't make it complicated. Christians and pastors make it complicated. Jesus didn't. It's simple. Keep it simple. Ongoing conversation. It's acknowledging, God, I can't do this on my own. And more than that, I don't want to do it on my own. I want you to be with me, to guide me. Here's, I think, really why all that matters, because you got to change the focus to change the situation. When you change what you're focused on, it will help change the situation. With the disciples, I love in verse 21 through 24, Jesus asked the dad, how long has this been happening? He asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. There's a comma. If you can. Jesus in verse 22, what do you mean if I can? He asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, you get the idea when Jesus asked the boy's dad, how long has this been happening? And the dad says, since he was a a little boy. I mean, very, very, very young, maybe toddler age, two, three years old. You know, and and you almost get the idea, although the dad doesn't say it, so we need to be a little careful, but you almost get the impression that the dad is saying, it's been like this for so long that I am beginning to take the abnormal as normal in my life. It's not normal that I have a child that acts like this, but it's been going on so long that it's just part of, I just kind of think it's normal. And if we're not careful, the, the things in your life that are truly abnormal, you can begin to accept as normal. Well, our marriage will always be this way because they'll always be like that. I'll always be like that. And you're accepting what is abnormal for a marriage relationship to be normal. Well, I just, I won't ever, I won't ever make enough money. I'm going to be poor like my family was poor. You're accepting what is abnormal as, well, I'll just be a lousy parent like my, my parents were lousy parents. Well, I, I just, I'm always going to have this discouragement, this dis- depression. I'm always going to have this health issue. I'm always going to be a loser. I'm always going to be, and you begin, you've lived with it so long that you've accepted the abnormal as normal in your life. But when Jesus shows up, he says, no, you don't need to live that way. And he can say, Set you free. That's what he wants to do in your life. 
I mean, that's, that's the reality of what's going on, that you begin to accept it as normal. I don't know how many of you, for Christmas last week, a week ago today, hope you had a great Christmas, but, you know, I think most of us probably got in the car after spending time with family somewhere, and on the way home, turned to our spouse and said, what's wrong with them? Like, I don't know. I, we, we can't be related to those people. I mean, we just can't. I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And, and uh, at least maybe it's just me. But, uh, you know, have you ever done that? Like, I, I, I know we have the same blood, but really that's about it. Something's off. And, and you're like, they're weird. I mean, they're just weird. I wouldn't bring them to my family. I wouldn't introduce them to my friends. And they're just weirdos. And, 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 but to them, it's normal. I mean, to them, it's just like no big deal. They act that way because they think what's abnormal is normal. And, and although we might laugh at that, could there be some things in your life that you've begun to accept? You've lived with it so long, you just accept it. You just accept. I've been praying about it for two, three years. God hasn't done it, so I just accept it. No. No, and I love the conversation. That could be a whole message in and of itself between Jesus and the dad. When the dad says, help me if you can. And, and, and Jesus, what do you mean? Of course I can. And he says, anything is possible if you believe. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, look, dad, we don't know the name of. Dad, you don't need a truckload of faith to move a mountain or to heal your boy. You just need a little bit. Listen, the principle for you and I is this. It's not the size of faith that matters. It's where you put it that can change your situation. You can have a lot of faith, but in the wrong situation won't work. But a little bit of faith in Jesus can move mountains and valleys in your life. That's what he wants. Doesn't matter the size. I mean, where are you putting your faith? You can have a lot of faith in the treasury department and we could still be in economic depression. Doesn't matter. You can have this faith the size of a seed of mustard, which is really, really tiny, Jesus said. But if you give it to him, he can change your life forever. That's the point he's trying to tell the father. Look, and really the disciples as well. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need a little bit, but you got to give it to the right person. Listen, here's, I think, the big takeaway. Fast and pray. Here's what we do. I, I love this. This is so great. Notice how it begins. Remember in verse 14, in the very beginning, Jesus comes out. First thing out of Jesus' mouth is, what's all this arguing about? And they were arguing. Everybody arguing. What's all this arguing about? And then remember verse 28, 29, at the very end, that night. So this takes place, let's say, around noon. That night, the crowds have left. It's quiet. It's just the disciples. And they ask, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this only happens through prayer and fasting. Here's the cool thing. What began that day as an argument ended that afternoon in a miracle. What tells me this, that your failures of 2022 and your mistakes of 2022 could carry over into this year. But what started off as a failure and as an argument, as a discouragement in 2022, when you give it to Jesus, he can use it and use your trial into your triumph. He can use the, the, the arguing, the problems of last year. But if you give it to him today, right now, on January 1st, 2023, he can use it and make it a miracle in your life. It began as arguing, but it ended in healing. 
you don't have to carry over all your baggage of last year. That's not what God wants for you. You came to, you could be anywhere else right now. You came today, and maybe God is telling you right now as I'm speaking, speaking and nudging in your heart, that's you. Get rid of the baggage that you brought with you from last year. Get rid of it. Whatever started last year in arguing can end in a miracle right now. Right now. Here's the other really cool thing I love about this. It speaks to the grace of God. Later on in the New Testament, there's a letter that a guy wrote to some Christians that live in Rome. And and, and in chapter 8, it says this, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I see that right here in Mark chapter 9. The disciples failed. I mean, let's just, they failed. I think if they were here, they would admit they failed. Jesus, y'all failed. I mean, the, the crowd, the disciples, everybody knows, even though they failed. But their failure wasn't final. Because Jesus used their failure to actually build their faith. The failures in your life of 2022 are not failures when you give it in the hands of Jesus because he can actually use your past failures to build your faith. I say that 16 years ago I failed, and in many ways I did, but in in many greater ways it actually served to build my faith and make me stronger. So really, was it a failure? I think not. I would have never learned that lesson had I not walked through it. As the Old Testament says in a popular song or poem, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'm not afraid because you're with me. I don't fear my failure anymore because you're going to use it to build my faith and you're going to make it work out. God can take your failures and your hurt and your pain of 2022 and use it to build your faith in 2023. He took the failure of the disciples, but that night, I promise you, it left such an impact. I want you to think, the, I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands and thousands of miracles that Jesus performed. And we really don't have, I mean, compared to the thousands, we don't have that many that are actually written down. There's just too many to write down. In fact, John says that, one of the disciples towards the end. He says, if we were to write down everything Jesus said and did, we just don't have enough room. So think about that. But one of the few miracles that that stood out so much, that was seared into their brain, was this. That's what he can do for you. Take your failure, your disappointment, and build your faith with it. That's what he does. Listen, I tell our, our, our staff this, I tell you guys this all the time. You're only as strong as your prayer life. I mean, you are. I think, I think there's a point where uh, if you've been following Jesus for several years, we just want to really just kind of talk like adults. And if you're, if you're new, you're, you're questioning your faith, then welcome to Pathway. We're a place just for you. Um, but for those that are here that are, yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. I just want to talk to you on a mature level and just say, you know, could it be that you're not seeing the miracles in your life, the signs and the wonders? And, and you read about those in the Bible. Like, Why can't those happen in my life? Could it be that you're only as strong as your prayer life? I don't mean that to be harsh or, or to make anybody feel guilty, but I do think we need to just talk like adults and, and, and try to be mature a little bit and say, hey, you're only as strong as your prayer life. Could it be that God didn't do much in your life in 2022 because you didn't really seek him much in 2022? No, look, as your pastor, as, as your friend, I want to help you 
and make 2023 the greatest year of your life. But it doesn't even start with coming to church, although it's important. It starts with prayer daily and ongoing with your Father in heaven. That's what matters. You're only as strong as your prayer life. You want to see miracles and signs and wonders? Pray. Spend time with him. Otherwise, you're not. And, and then don't blame God that he's not working in your life because you're not spending time with him, right? I mean, you're only as strong as your prayer life. Here's another thing that I love to say. I've said it so many times. Some of you could probably finish this sentence, which that's good. I want you to know this. But you'll never fix what you don't pray about. You're going to have the same problems this year that you had last year. I guarantee it if you don't pray about it. You'll never fix it. You, you, you worry you don't have enough money? Well, are you praying? You're worried you're always going to be discouraged and, and battle depression and battle anxiety and battle fear and battle worry. Why are you praying about it? I mean, are you like the disciples arguing and talking to other people and trying to figure it out on your own? Even though you have good intentions, why are you spending time like Jesus said, hey, that's, that thing in 2022, it's only going to change in this year, 2023, if you pray and fast about it. It won't change. you got to pray and fast. What is it in your life that he's telling you that now? You'll never fix what you don't pray about. So we say this a lot. In fact, this is our, our staff. We have like core values, and, and this is number one, and it always will be. Pray first, act second. I learned that 16 years ago. I'd love to tell you I've never repeated it. For the most part, I haven't. There's been a few times where, yes, I've, I've, I've failed in that area. But for the most part, pray first, act second. You may be praying for years on it, but it's worth it. Pray first, act second. We don't want to do anything as a team, as a staff, as a church, unless we have just soaked that thing in prayer, seeking God. Somebody asked me uh, over Christmas break, I said, what are you going to do when Pathway gets a building? And that's very soon, what are you going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do? And they were talking about, like, painting the walls and all that. I said, you know, honestly, the first thing we're going to do as a church is have a night of prayer and worship. Like, it's, it's, I mean, we just, it's that real for us. We just, it's that serious. That's what it's all about. Listen, fasting. Fasting is not a diet. I know, I know, you know, it could be. And at Pathway, we don't mean for it to be a diet. So, you know, it's not like, well, I, I just won't, you know, eat dessert uh, for 21 days. Well, no, that is probably a, a diet. Uh, or, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to give up Dr. Pepper. Well, God bless you. That's probably too much for even me, okay? Uh, or I'll give up my morning coffee. Good luck, okay? I, you know, but, but I would just say this. It is not a, a diet. And fasting is not, you know, well, I'll give up. Um, I'll give up dessert, but I don't really ever eat dessert. Well, no, that doesn't count. That's called cheating, all right? It doesn't count. Um, and look, if it's, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give up. Uh, again, dessert is an example. It's not just giving it up. It's spending that time in prayer. That's the difference. So if I, I just, well, I'm just not going to drink Dr. Pepper. Okay, that's fine. But then go spend that 30 minutes that you enjoy the nectar of heaven. Go spend that in prayer. Oh, I just won't have my morning coffee. That's wonderful. Uh, your family can deal with your headaches and mood swings. But just go spend that 30 minutes a morning or 10 or whatever in prayer. That's the difference. It's not just I'm giving something up. That's half of it. The other half is to spend time in prayer. Fasting is taking things with you and God to the next level. It is proving to yourself and to God you're serious. I mean, it's like there's prayer. And then there's, like Jesus said, fasting and prayer. 
Like it's a next level stuff. There's some things in my life I pray about, absolutely. But there's, very, there's a few things that I know will only happen if I pray and fast. A quote that I, I, if I knew who said it, I'd give him credit because I love this quote. I say it every time we talk about prayer. But that when you get to heaven, you will say, this place is all too familiar to me because I've traveled here many times in prayer. That's what prayer is. It is bringing the power of heaven into your life every day, every moment. And when you think of it that way, why wouldn't you want to pray? So look, whenever, you know, some people, you're like, food, I, food's not really that big of a deal to me, but man, social media, if I'm not on social media, my thumbs will fall off. All right, they're going to send out SOS to come find me because I post all my, my updates to my followers every five seconds, what I'm doing, what I'm eating, where I'm going, the shoes I'm wearing, all of that. And, and, and look, uh, give that up and spend that time in prayer. And so that's what it is. And so, look, there, there's times for me where, where it is liquid only. Last year for 21 days, that's what it was. It is liquids only for 21 days. I would pray. My family would eat dinner at night and, and lunch, and, and I would go off by myself in another room, close the door, and I would pray and seek God. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 21 days. I don't do that every year. There's some years where it's just lunch. So maybe it's, uh, I'm going to fast lunch. Not like I'm going to eat at 11 and then I'll eat at 1. No, that doesn't count. Again, loophole, cheating doesn't count. I'll eat breakfast. I'm not going to eat like more than enough, so I'm stuffed. No, no, no. Like you got to feel it a little bit. But I'm going to spend a lot. I'm going to fast lunch, Brian. 21 days, I'll fast it. Look, we're not saying this for us as a church. We're saying this for you, for your family, for generations to come. You never know what will change if you fast and pray. Jesus is telling you that today. It'll only happen in your, whatever the it is, it will only happen if you fast and pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the, the clear guidance and direction that you give us in your word of fasting and prayer. We don't fast to lose weight. We don't fast to brag. We don't fast to feel super spiritual. We do it because we need heaven to move in the earth in our situation. We need your power and your presence like only you can do. Father, that's why we fast. We're giving something up, something that matters to us, something that is close to us, that is dear to us, that is important to us. And we're saying, Father, I would rather spend this time with you in prayer than have this thing in my life, whether it's food or social media or a show, whatever it is. You're more important to me. And God, we do it in January to give this year to you because we don't know what we will face, but we do know we're sending our prayers ahead. We're, we're asking for your guidance ahead in our life in this year. We love you and thank you, and we're nothing without you. We dedicate 2023 to you in the name of Jesus. We give this year to you, the mountains, the valleys, the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. We give it to you, and we only ask for your blessing, your protection, your wisdom and favor in return. And Father, we ask that in all that we do this year, we honor you. We love you and thank you. As we're just continuing to pray, maybe you're here and you would say, Brian, before I pray and fast, I just, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I need that in my life. I've tried everything else. Then, man, I just encourage you, 
right now as we're just praying, if you would just raise your hand, I want to give my life to Jesus. Look, we're not having you to join our church or find religion. We're asking you an opportunity in a relationship that will leave you changed. If you just simply raise your hand, nobody's looking or anything. We're just praying, I want to give my life to Jesus right now. We would just love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's say this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died and rose again. From today on, I give my life to you. I love you. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, let's celebrate with those that made that decision today. Man, congratulations. That is the best decision you will ever make. And 